Hey, 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 what's going on, everyone? You are now listening to Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown. Perfect. What's going on? What's going on, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, and I am sitting here virtually with Ray White. Um, Ray is in organizational development specialist by night by night night and by day you are an it supervisor at a health let's let's go let's go i'm not going to butcher your bio whatsoever i'm gonna let you tell us a little bit about yourself ray Uh, No, I appreciate being on this podcast thank you so much for the opportunity just to have a dialogue with you about uh life resiliency and the ways in which that we do this as leaders and helping our community. So this is great. Um, what's funny is my bio, I feel like changes every day, but the gist of it is like, like you stated, I'm a IT supervisor at a healthcare institution, been doing that for the last eight years. Um, but, uh, as of, I mean, pandemic has opened up a lot of doors in many ways, but since the last three to five years doing a lot of work in community, leadership, organizing, being a part of that uh, world of developing leaders in this space, um, and just as of recently doing more intentional work with organizations on uh, developing leaders, the, uh, building up our DE&I lens, helping set up sort of organizational structure in a way that helps maximize efficiency um, and effectiveness so every identity belongs and thrives. But um, it's fun work, it's dope work. I get a chance to practice this podcasting and and writing and and just engaging with other leaders too but having a great time doing it perfect perfect that's awesome that's awesome how did you get into i'm going to start with the it aspect how did you how did you get into that what did you go to school for not it not it (laughs) no i uh i studied sociology and american ethnic studies at my uh local university here in oregon um, that's where I'm at. I'm in Salem, Oregon. Went to Willamette University. Uh, originally went in to play sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I majored in sports, but um, quickly realized that uh, there's a transition that needed to be made on transitioning not only what I learned on the field, but off the field as well in my academics and in the way that I engage others. So yeah, uh, sociology and American ethnic studies. Got into IT by way of connections. Had a friend of mine who a friend who I graduated with was also working at the local hospital in the data space, and they needed some essentially project managers really uh, that can help navigate cultures and navigate people. And mm. it's like, oh, you can do that. You don't need to. You can learn data. You can learn IT on the job. But we really need somebody to help be the glue and push projects through and uh, help people work together. And so that's how I stumbled into the field. Cool, cool, cool. So, so completely by accident, kind of. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so organizational development uh, specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, say more. What does that entail? So, what I what I really want to do in my organizational in my in the way that I engage leaders and organizations is to equip leaders to. Um, build up their awareness and their abilities to uh, shape their team cultures. Uh, part of my my identity and part of just my upbringing and academics and things that I've learned, how 
people really make the world go round. Like we got to work together. We got to be intentional about the way that we connect with one another. And if there's any type of distinction or if there's any type of um, break within that, um, we see things crumble. We see, you know, distrust. We see lack of organization, um, lack of effectiveness. And so part of what I want to do is to not only help design and set up what does an effective team look like, but really engage the leaders and talk with them and say, what do you need to do in order to build up that effectiveness uh, from a leadership skill set and also from just a cultural awareness perspective too. Uh, and as a byproduct, you're going to have teams who are really engaged, who want to do the work well and are really equipped to do the work well too, uh, which then will lead to whatever service that they're providing as well. Mm-hmm. What about the teams that aren't willing to engage and that are kind of hesitant at, at the information you're trying to, to share with them? Yeah, so a lot of that is, I, I love to go through a relationship approach. Mm-hmm. Um, not the type of person that will come in and say, y'all, y'all need to, <laughs> y'all need to do these things. Um, I don't, that's not my style. Uh, I love to ask questions. I love to engage and just to truly understand where people are. Um, and once we get to the understanding of what, where we are, we have the conversation of where we're trying to go. Uh, and that requires us to be comfortable with the uncomfortableness, recognizing our blind spots, recognizing that we do need help because we all do need help. And we need one another in order for the work to continue moving forward. And so if there is any type of resistance um, in maybe a concept, like in the DE&I space more particularly, uh, if there's resistance in the concept of what white supremacy means or the concept of uh, understanding other worldviews that are not our own, um, a lot of that is just, okay, well, let's sit and let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Like let's work, let's work together into come to an agreement and a shared understanding versus constantly putting you on the defensive or be the, somebody who's gonna put you on the defensive because we don't really respond to that well. And when you're defensive, nobody responds well. Absolutely. That's um that you're gonna get a lot of pushback, a lot of spiciness, a lot of aggravation. Um, mm-hmm. and that and no one, there's no progress to be made once that happens. So Good, good. Okay. Um, so not to be weird, but I've been listening to you talk, right? <laughs> and you said intention a lot. Mm-hmm. So let's go there. What does intention mean to you? And how how do you apply that to your, your daily routine, your daily life? Yeah, intention has been a, a word that I don't know. I would like to say word of the day, but honestly, it's probably like the word of the life, right? <laughs> of my life. It's, um, I find that being intention or intentional for me means that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. You are engaged with the people that you are surrounding with and involved with um, in a way that is genuine, that is sparking curiosity, that uh, humility, and, and again, uh, a, a future desire and a goal towards a collective towards a collective goal, mm-hmm. uh, and so when I think about how do I become intentional, I'm honestly sitting with the with the thought of, okay, how do I stay engaged in this work, engaged with this person, um, and show the importance of being engaged and how that relates to um, an effective team, uh, because 
too often we do work that is not when when work is not intentional um when it's just by happenstance or we just kind of let go with the flow um too often it goes towards the negative route right it doesn't go the direction you want to go like if we want to succeed in life we have to put in the work and do what's necessary um every day to keep us going and if we don't do that then we will look up and realize wow how did my culture how did my life get to this point to where i don't want it to be it's like well you you know you didn't wake up at 6 a.m and did what you're supposed to do and you know write down your goals or you know engage that team member or what have you uh does that make sense absolutely absolutely you didn't drink that water that you're supposed to be drinking you're not drinking your water you're not you know and yeah. and that's like across the across the board um it's it's funny that you've used this word so many times intention um i do a vision board every year and a part of the vision board process is um well my vision board process is pinpointing a word or a phrase that will allow you to to regain focus when you feel like maybe you're shifting yeah. and last year mine was intention interesting so with that in mind so yeah i'm gonna throw a question back at you so how did your your word was intention last year how did that manifest for you in the way that you saw uh 2021 in, in utilizing that word absolutely absolutely intention um I had to get really, really, I had to get honest with myself, mm. you know, when we do things intentionally, um, if, well, let me say this, if we don't do things intentionally, like you said, it kind of, you kind of get lackadaisical with it. Um, it's not a matter of a fact. It's not necessarily like a, a, a must. Um, mm -hmm. So I had to get real with some of the things that I wanted my life in my life and what I wanted my life to look like. Um, and that took me sitting down, you know, writing out my goals, writing out the steps to get to, you know, to that goal. And that was all very, very intentional. Yeah. Another thing I did was um, I call it audit your orbit. You, you audit your surroundings. Um, you audit the people that you surround yourself with. And you also audit the things that are around you naturally. Um, you audit the things you listen, you're listening to, like what kind of content you're ingesting. Um, the food you're eating. We always talk about like, if we want a healthy body, you got to eat right. But that's where we stop. We don't go further. And we should be because you're feeding your mind as well. And if you're, you know, you're feeding it negativity, that's what's going to manifest. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and also doing an internal audit, like you're, you're auditing everything else around you in your orbit, but a lot of people forget that the main part of your orbit is you. So you got to give yourself a, you know, a checkup from the neck up. Mm. You know, sometimes you got to hold yourself accountable, hold yourself to that standard um, mm. that you are holding everything else and everyone else to, you know, mm. you can't expect someone to want to be a certain person or do a certain thing if you're not matching that effort. 
you know so yeah intention yeah. was was major i i, I process like what, what i hear you saying i love it like especially like audit your orbit like that's that's good that's good word right there um because we have to do a lot of that and like, i don't want to overuse the word intention but we have to be uh we have to do the work necessary in mm-hmm. to ensure that we're on the path that we want to go towards and um i reflect on again like i said i i went to school for football uh football and track but um you know the the reason why I gravitate towards seeing teams effective is because helping teams and organizations become effective because I've been a part of effective sports teams. Mm-hmm. Common things that we often do is, uh, you know, we have an end goal in mind that the championship is where we're trying to go. And what I, one of the things I truly love about even my high school uh, football coach is he always put the, the end date of when the championship game is. Like every, every schedule that we had, from week zero to championship, it was every year. And not only was the site set of where we're trying to go, but we, he actively and he encouraged all of us to say, this is the work that needs to get done in order to get to the championship level. Like it's not, you can't just wake up uh, and say, all right, I want to play football and then play your next game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta lift, you gotta study the plays, you gotta watch film, all the things day in and day out. Um, and the byproduct of going through the process uh, one day should lend to the championship if you're doing the right things well. And so working to transition that to, I love it, like you said, ourselves, if I see this goal, here are the steps I need to take, here are the, the environment that I need to set up in order to make that work, and then transition it institutionally as a team, here are the qualities that we need to embody in order to see the type of culture we want. And then here are the daily steps that we need to be mindful of to check back to make sure that we're doing the work necessary to reach that uh, organizational goal that we set for ourselves. So mm-hmm. oh, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, absolutely. The audit, the A is, um, is from my book. You're an author as well. Um, <laughs> but the yeah. value method, um, that A, that audit your, audit your orbit, that's, that's one of the key factors in that, in, in making sure your value you're showing up, um, your rhythm is and checking all that good stuff. But we're talking about books here. So oh. tell me about, tell me about, hold on, wait a minute. I know I wrote it down. Advocacy in action. Yes. So right? for those watching on YouTube or where, where this will be posted, that right there is what the book is. Um, it's a, it's an interesting journey being an author. And I would love to hear more about your perspective on this too. But, uh, um, the book came about actually in the height of uh, the social unrest that we've experienced in 2020, especially. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black man, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my early thirties, you know, so I'm navigating this life in this world through this lens, uh, through that lens, uh, man of faith, you know, family man, I, I mean, a lot of identities that I share, but in 2020, midst of the pandemic, the early stages of the pandemic, and then also a lot of just the civil unrest that we experienced, um, there were two, there was a tremendous amount of questions from those engaging in social justice work, uh, more particularly our, our, our white siblings, those who are in our communities um, who see the injustice but didn't know exactly what to do mm-hmm. uh, or, or felt ill-equipped to, ill-equipped to, to take action in that space. Um, and so out of frustration <laughs> and seeing the question on social media uh, in 2020, um, 
I create like a, a list of nine different action steps for uh, people can take whenever they see something locally to take action. And just to kind of take the national conversation, what we see on social media and really distill it to say, within my circle of influence, here are the things that I know I can do. Mm. Uh, and then just out of that kind of came about, you know, I started speaking on it more Then I, I was like, okay, well, there's something here. Let me put it, let me put these words on the paper um, and started crafting this book, which is, uh, it's, it's currently still in editing stages, but it's a concept that the concept's not going to change. The, the way I tweak the words or the stories that I use might be a little bit different, but the nine different steps are, um, are necessary in any environment that can help change the conversation or shift the culture towards being more just, more equitable, um, more empathetic, really. Mm -hmm. uh, those who are experiencing harm and pain and historical trauma when it comes to this uh, social justice and, and, and the, race, it, it, the racism that we've experienced in our, in our society. Absolutely. Empathy is, um, I wish we had a lot more of it. Um, mm -hmm. Empathy is something that I think if we could all find a way to understand more of what that term means and the weight that it carries, I think we'd be able to have these um, really, really uncomfortable but necessary conversations um, more often and then have more progress. Um, but a lot of people are, I mean, the conversations are uncomfortable, of course. Um, at one point I had like an entire Instagram dedicated to like having those courageous conversations, mm -hmm. you know, and I posed different, different questions and different scenarios. And, you know, there were some people who were engaging it and it, it's purposely uncomfortable because that's where we're going to grow is in that, in that discomfort. Because uh, no, no one wants to stay in that discomfort. We want to grow. We want to expand. Um, but it's just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. That That is the key. Uh, we got to embrace that tension. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's exactly right. That tension is where growth occurs. And, and there is going to be uh, the natural response to fight, flight, or, or flee, right? Or freeze. Um, and uh, that is a common trait whenever we experience something that's very uncomfortable to us. So we have to be able to recognize when that's occurring within our own perspectives and bodies and then learn to lean into it because there's something there that we need to, that's going to uncover a blind spot or help us get to the next level. Um, and what I want to encourage is that we're not, we shouldn't be doing this alone. Mm -hmm. um, that is in community that where, where a lot of these things, a lot of this growth should happen and can happen um and once we work to break down our perspectives and work to understand what our worldview and upbringings are and have empathy towards the other identities um and awareness of the other identities that uh, that are around us then we can come together we can work to come together and say okay hey how do we ensure that you have what you need to be successful that i have what i need that i have my understanding um that we no longer create this pain and trauma and harm to one another moving forward for future generations, right? Um, but yeah, when you talk about the resistance <laughs> to getting into that, a lot of it is because, um, honestly, we're stuck in our ways. Like we, mm -hmm. this is 
this is my world and I don't want that to change because that's going to cause me to have to uproot a lot of things that I don't feel comfortable or prepared to uproot. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of unlearning to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's okay. You know, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely okay. Um, it's okay to, to change perspectives, to, to change your mind when you learn of and about new information that's out there about like lived experiences. Um, yeah. 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 Um, restorative resilience. Mm, mm-hmm. Say more. What's that? Yeah. So as you know, resilience in action, you know, you know about the resilient life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 2020, the past two to two and a half years, this common conversation of resiliency has constantly been brought up in our, in every space. Like how do we stay? Yeah. Often the phrase I hear often work or in organization is, how do we stay resilient in the face of adversity? Mm-hmm. Uh, and many programs have been created to help individuals navigate uh, their ability to bounce back from adversity, which 100% we need that. You need self-care. You need to have that. For, how do you have a positive perspective? Um, how do you see adversity as a growth opportunity then a detriment to yourself? Right? Like all those things are truly important. What I find in the conversation is lacking is this thought of, okay, how do we make resist resiliency? How do we become restorative in this resilient space? Mm-hmm. How do I become stronger and also do the work systemically or institutionally to not have that harm caused again? That is it right mm. there. Like, oh. that is it right there. What do I need to do? What systems or strategies do I need to implement so that this doesn't continue to happen? I'm really glad you brought that up because I say that all the time. Resilience is my jam. Hmm. And often we're talking and I'm talking with other people. And that is the aspect, that is the part that, that they skip over. So I, I just wanted to st- stop you. I'm gonna let you keep going, but uh-huh. I just wanted to acknowledge you for like, like, look at you. All right, Ray. Okay, I see you. I see you. I see you. Go ahead. Right. I'm trying out here. I just, I, I, you know, we talk about accountability and our abilities and what's our role in achieving success that we want to achieve, right? And we also, you know, in- individually, that makes sense. Like I need to own my own stuff. I need to own my role, see my role. Um, in the actions or the inactions that I'm doing in this space. But we also need to look at these institutions or look at the the root cause of what has caused this to get to this point. Mm. Be able to say, okay, how do we change that? Like, what yes, we done there. You know, the, we, I just, I'm struggling with this because as in my leadership, you know, day-to-day leadership, I am constantly having conversations with staff members who are like, I'm bogged down. Like I'm, I'm burning out. I don't, I can't see light in the tunnel. And I just, I I would think I I would feel insensitive and unempathetic, unempathetic, however the word is, but I would lack empathy. If I don't say, if I just say, Hey, push through it, you're good. You know, just, just keep going one more Mm -hmm. week at this pace and not like, or on the inverse say, okay, well take a break and 
then they come right back into the mess. Same, the same system. Yeah. Yes. I'm trying my best and doing my best to share that thought in every leadership space, whoever has power um, and, and authority, you know, organizational authority, really to say, Hey, how can we look at what is causing this harm or this trauma or this um, reason to be resilient and not perpetuate, not be perpetuating that mm-hmm. uh, uh, moving forward. So it requires us to do some change. And again, affecting uncomfortableness, we are uncomfortable. We don't want to change the status quo. So I, I, I just want to be able to share that more frequently and put some tangible uh, tactics and steps for organizational leader to grasp that, to say, you do have the power to not let this be an ongoing issue for your team. Mm-hmm. Hard, but we can do it. And this is what accountability looks like in that space. Hey, 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 y'all. Listen, it is time for some action. If you are enjoying the content that you've been listening to, I need you to rate and review. That's it. That's all. Make sure you go to wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review it for us. We appreciate you so much. Let's get back to some resilience. Yeah, love that. I love that. Um, Often, especially these big corporations, um, the lip service is real. The lip, the lip service is real. Um, I think we saw that. We've se- we've seen that 2020 with everything that that went on that year, and everybody wanted to have a um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like now we have a committee. Now we have a. It's like, forgive me for saying this, but. As a, as a Black person, mm-hmm. I think we've been saying a lot of the same stuff that we've been saying for decades. And it took such a tragedy that we, that we, first of all, we had to witness. We had to watch it happen. Like, that tragedy, um, Brianna, Ahmad, like, we had to watch that. And, and now that you see it, let's take action. It's like, so you never understood, you never trusted, you never believed our lived experiences and what we've been telling you about this entire time. Right. You know, it's like, um, like I, I had to see it to believe it. It's kind of mind blowing. Um, but I guess it would be, I guess it would be, um, because again, that being on that side, something I would never experience. So I will never know what it will what, what it would look like to have to see something that drastic to believe um, that that's happening. Yeah, um, it's, just, it's, just, it's terrible that it has to get to that point in order for people to move, and that's kind of where. Like you stated, if if there was more empathy to listen in to what people are saying and know and try not to gaslight or debunk people's lived experiences and think that it's not a a, a reality, mm-hmm. that could have been avoided. George Floyd could have been avoided. Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, you know, Tamir Rice, uh, Trayvon Martin, all these things could have been avoided. Yep. 
uh, if there was more of these conversations happening regularly in honestly the boring spaces. I I um was listening to a podcast called Cafeteria Christian by and and one of the the DEI consultant on there, Jesse Ross, he made a comment saying that, you know, if we were intentional about engaging in these in the boardrooms, in the day-to-day conversations and bringing these conversations up there, we won't be having to backtrack or backpedal or see this like immersion of all these performative acts because it would already been a part of our culture, like a part mm-hmm. of our identity and DNA. And again, not just from a institutional perspective, but folks' lives will still be here. Like people will still be living their lives and we'll be doing our, doing our best to course correct to say, oh, I've, I'm doing something that's, that's harming you. I need to stop doing that and then work together to say, what do we need to do to better, to, to make this better mm-hmm. for you, for what we're trying to go towards. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of those kind of courageous conversations that you, that you, you have, that we, all of us need to have, and then go into these boring spaces and say, how do we bring that voice and that lens in these spaces um, so that we all can live and thrive and not have to constantly be having that extra burden on our shoulders as we walk across the street or in our day-to-day lives. Absolutely. Okay. How, how do you, how would you um, encourage a CEO mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to have, to have the mind, okay. How do you encourage a CEO to have such an open mindset and an open mind in general for his or her associates to come to them with these type of gripes, these type of um, uh, feelings and emotions for them to feel comfortable enough to share them? I don't know. That was a lot to say. Yeah, yeah, no. So I, I, I may, I may read. Let me hear. Let me understand what I'm hearing you saying. Like, how do how does the CEO become open to hearing these types of absolutely role or organization mm-hmm. issues? Right. Um, well, is this CEO approachable? Like, are am am I an approachable person where people would come to me and feel comfortable to share these things? That's one thing. So, am, is is am I approachable? Am I visible? Uh, do I show up in these spaces and show my face and get to know and engage the people in, in my organization? Because uh, it's hard to open yourself up to somebody you don't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, Absolutely. And practice, right? Like I, I feel like maybe my extrovertedness kind of allows me to say, oh yeah, like Aaron, like we just met. I'm happy to have this conversation with you because it's going to be a dope one. But there's going to be, there are other personalities and other identities that uh, will take some time to open up mm-hmm. if as a CEO, if I am the first to initiate and engage that person, then I can um, take the opportunity, then that opportunity to have that relationship is created. Um, another opportunity essentially is to follow through with the actions that you say you're going to do. I mean, again, we're, we're working on building trust here. Um, mm-hmm. If you show up, if you're intentional with your engagements, if you say, do what you're supposed to do, be what you're supposed to be, do what you're supposed to do, um, and that you do it with it with the other individual in mind, 
that allows the ability for people to come and say, oh, hey, like one, I, either I like what you're doing, keep going, or I don't really like how that's going. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, oh, okay. So how do we change it? What do we do? What What is your voice? How do I invite your voice into this conversation to help shape it so that way it works for you and other folks who may be feeling the same way, but maybe not as comfortable to bring it up to 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 the CEO's face or to my door. Yeah. Uh, a lot of his relationship building. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, you just, over our conversation, you shared a lot of tips. Um, my thing is sharing uh, stories, systems, and strategies um, through resilience to have a greater human experience. And the systems and the strategies that you've shared thus far, A1. Hey, hey, you know, <laughs> I appreciate that. A one, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. I'm going to give. I'm gonna give. You know, I'm gonna give flowers when flowers are due. Like a lot. I don't even know if anyone knows, but this is Ray and I's first conversation, like ever, aside from like, hey, I would love to have you on a podcast, and you know, as for talking, and I don't think people could tell. I don't think anyone could tell. Like, yeah, I hope not. And that that's that's the dope thing about. One, I, what I've really appreciated, this is one of those things where I, tr- I work to try to find, to find a silver lining in things. Um, mm-hmm. COVID has op- allowed the opportunity to make this type of connection, right? Like, I, I don't think I would ever thought about doing something like this two and a half years ago of just uh, hopping on, one, doing, you know, having your own podcast and doing that kind of thing, but then connecting with other people across the world who are on the same wavelength, who are, who are doing a similar type of work and building community that way. Because um, community, as we've now learned, is uh, incorporates where you live and where you work, but then now, you know, online has grown tremendously. Mm-hmm. How do we then tap into the larger network that we, uh, of identities or, or people who are going the same way um, to help support? But also, uh, and, and then I want to challenge that as well to kind of say, you know, we don't want to create our own echo chambers. Like mm-hmm. I think in spaces, um, in this connection as well, yes, there are a lot of commonalities in the work that we are doing, but then I know I'm open to critique and challenge uh, if I'm doing something that uh, could be done better. So I'm, you know, I'm going to be looking to you and be like, okay, so how are you talking about resiliency? How are you talking about building our leaders? What systems and strategies are you creating? Because well, the way you've articulated it sounds way better than I do. So how do I not only adopt that language, but also point people to you and say, yo, look at, check out what Aaron's doing. Like, yeah. you know, we out here doing the same work. So um, yeah, no, that's dope. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I appreciate, and I appreciate you, you know. Um, what I'd say over the past three years, what have, what has been, either one or two of your greatest achievements? Mm. You know, uh, I often talk about, I often think about my family. So I, my wife, uh, we're about to celebrate seven years marriage to, in, in a couple of weeks. Congratulations. Uh, thank you, thank you. Props to that. Shout out to my wife. And then we have two young boys, uh, five and three. Mm. And being um, at home, Working, working over home in the pandemic, one has been tough, <laughs> tough on everybody, but I have enjoyed just watching them, uh, mm-hmm. oh, just being close to my family and having them a part of my Zoom meetings or even, you know, 
before this setup that you see that's glorious. I used to do it in the garage. (laughs) (laughs) Before we moved, I worked in the garage. And so oftentimes, you know, they're playing in the garage. And and so I get to, they're in the midst of my day-to-day and they get to see me on a day-to-day basis. So like I, that has given me tremendous amount of joy and excitement just to know that they know that I'm a part of their lives and and we can create this world together. Um, and, that, you know, the past two, three years, I think about that the most, uh, um, regardless of the book, regardless of, you know, the work that I'm doing in institutional organizations, the fact that they know that, hey, this is dad, dad's here, we know where he's at upstairs, we can bug him all the time, he can come down and play with us at any time. Um, I love that. Uh, it's been a fun, fun three years navigating that space. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Um, what, what lesson, what life lesson has been one of the hardest for you to learn? Like, what is one, one thing that you've, you've heard over and over and over again, but it's, you keep hearing it because you, you keep forgetting, or it's just something that's not sticking uh the world doesn't revolve around you <laughs> shout out to my mama shout out to my <laughs> oh my good i heard that way too many times growing up i, I grew up in southern california um, and so in our household growing up especially in my middle school college, high school years um you know i'm trying to do me you know i'm out here i'm having, <laughs> playing sports i'm i'm involved in my friend groups i'm trying to do all these different things but um Oftentimes, I had to be reminded that my actions have not just consequences, but they also have an impact on other people around me. Yes. So the world doesn't revolve around you, Ray. And I'm like, ah, yeah, mama. All right, cool. But the more, you know, as we engage in this type of work in, in the, in, on a daily basis and just seeing the inter- intricacies of our identities, you know, that, that continues to ring true. So that is yeah. a life lesson that I'm constantly reminding myself and uh, do, making sure that I set up my spaces to recognize the impact that it has on others. And then now that I have children, I'm also sharing the same words. Hey, hey, yo, hey son, you know, the world overall around you, you know, we gotta, we gotta work this out together mm-hmm. and, and work that up. So that, that's definitely a life lesson there. That's awesome. <laughs> the world doesn't revolve around you, Ray. <laughs> I knew it was going to be good because you were giggling. Yeah. <laughs> I knew, knew it was going to be good. Um, is there anything that you would want to share with the audience um, that you haven't thus far? Hmm. What do I want to share? Um, you know, lately I've been on this perspective of that we all have a gift inside of us that needs to be shared. Mm. And, and too often we, we get, and I'll, okay, too often I get very hesitant to share my gift because it's not perfect. It's not coherent. Uh, it don't look like the other people, you know, that I'm aspiring to be. Uh, and that makes me hesitant. It makes me not engage. Um, but another life, I'm, I'm constantly telling myself, it's like, you know, there's somebody needs to see you show up. Somebody needs to hear you, mm-hmm. see you in action in some capacity. Um, and it doesn't have to look like 
your aspiring idols. They can look like the way that God's created you, right? Um, so I'm constantly in this perspective of, okay, honing in on what my gift is or, or what, how, how do I craft, work on my craft well, um, and then just show up because it could, it can have an impact on somebody in a positive way. And so that is something I really want people to, to kind of sit with, but not sit with it in a way that paralyzes them from taking action. But sometimes you kind of need to take yourself out there with this thought of what your gift looks like and, and just go for it. And that's how confidence is built when you consistently take action in that way. And so, uh, yeah, we all have a gift inside of us that needs to be utilize the leverage to better our community and so how do we how do we use that encourage one another to use that absolutely um one of my previous interviews we were talking and um we were talking about sharing your gift and everybody has that gift that needs to be shared and then the promptness of it is mm-hmm. as, as it like it's not ready yet but it'll never fall on 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 deaf ears because we're you're putting your information you're putting your gift out there the people that are supposed to hear it they're going to hear it it may not be today may not be tomorrow it may not be next week somewhere down the line the people that are supposed to hear what it is that you your gift what it is you have to say what it is you're doing your service whatever it is they're going to hear it but they never will if you don't do it they right. never will if you don't put it out there. So absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. agree. Wow. I agree. 110%. I um, to, and the last thing I'll state in that is I really hope that there is no shame or condemnation if you haven't put your gift out there too. Because sometimes, mm-hmm. I, I, maybe that's my, my pandemic ray talking, but there was early in the pandemic, folks were like, yo, you better use this time to write that book to do that thing that you've been that's been on your heart to do because now you you gotta go hard oh my goodness (laughs) and i i literally bought into that i was like all right well i'm gonna be up till 2 a.m every night practicing my speaking practicing my writing doing all these things and i tried to do way too much at that time and i burned myself out right so like as we talk about resiliency how do I practice self-care? How do I prioritize what's important and, and, and vital? How do I also be comfortable with like, okay, this is good enough and it can get better. Mm-hmm. And so that people, even as you're discovering your gifts, you're not in that, you don't feel that, or that pressure doesn't cause you to um, overextend yourself and overwhelm. Yeah. It's like there's gotta be that balance, which again, that's where that community comes into play where they can, folks can come walk alongside you and say, Yo, yo, Ray, you doing too much? Slow down, or no, Ray, keep leaning into that because that's, that's actually working and mm-hmm. it's in there. So, um, that's another thought I have. Love it, love it. Um, where can we find you on social media, and how can we support you? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I uh, I am act, I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter at Ray Devante. Um, you see me, I might be dancing a little more than I used to. But <laughs> in these in these uh reels but uh, those are kind of the common places i i hang out in and do work in um and and my website raymond raymondwhite.net uh is also available as well for folks who want to kind of see what type of speaking that i do and workshops that create um i'm slowly building out some coaching consulting processes as well recognizing that uh information needs to come and people just kind of need that guide really uh, so how do I help be a voice and and create these spaces for 
organizational leaders to practice this. So um, that's those are the three areas where you can find me. Um, and uh, and yeah, on the Michael Three White, there's also a podcast that I have sharing life lessons, self reflections, and equipping you to take action. Um, you get to hear a lot of my weird and random stories of the lessons that I've learned from it, but then also some of the real life. Um, situations that are occurring in our world and distilling it to say, okay, what do we need to do based upon what we're seeing in the world today in our communities today? How do we then take action within our, uh, within our spaces? So mm. you can find me. Perfect. 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 Um, I have one final question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what does resilience mean to you? I know we spoke earlier about restorative resilience, yes. um, but what does resilience mean to you? So for me, resilience means to be able to bounce back from adversity stronger and healthier than you once were. In addition to holding, looking at our institutions or looking at the root cause of what caused us to be resilient and doing the work necessary to um, not let that be an issue in the future. So you look individually, doing the work necessary to make sure that you're healthy and strong and then looking institutionally to say, what do we do to no longer let this to be an issue for myself and others moving forward? Love it. Love it. That's literally resilience and action. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Ray, thank you so much, so very much for spending a little bit of your day, your Wednesday here with the crew. Oh man, I'm appreciative. Thank you for reaching out. You're right. Uh, I hope nobody notices that we just met today. <laughs> and I realized too, I'm excited just to watch you and your journey as well. So thank you for creating this platform and space for people to share not only what they're learning and experiencing, but ways in which that, they, that others can take action in this too. So um, no, you're doing some phenomenal work. So thank you for, for doing the work that you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Resilience in Action with Erin Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And I want you to remember one thing. Resilience in Action will always lead to a greater human experience.